You're listening to the Buildify Method Podcast, where we're all about mindset, systems, and profit. As a nationally recognized business consultant, coach, and speaker, your host, Aaron Keith, is passionate about supporting the entrepreneur community by sharing his knowledge gained from coaching over 10,000 entrepreneurs in nearly 20 years, at companies ranging from billion-dollar enterprises and celebrities all the way to Main Street and small startups. Each Buildisode's blunt, no-bullshit conversation is led by Aaron along with his co-host, Ryan Coyne, a veteran tech consultant and nationally recognized speaker. Each week, Aaron and Ryan deconstruct mental and physical aspects of the topics that challenge all successful entrepreneurs, while also providing coaching, insight, and specific advice on distinctions that affect all growth-minded entrepreneurs. So listen up. It's time to work on your business, not just in your business. Hello, everyone. My name is Aaron Keith. I am the host of the Buildify Method. I'm joined here today with my co-host and cohort, Ryan Coyne. Aaron, good to talk to you as always. Today is going to be a really powerful conversation. Ryan and I have been uh, doing some studying and and some prep for this meeting, and we've been getting so many questions uh, from our clients, uh, from our audience, and uh, just other other colleagues of ours around really how to manage uh, our staff working from home, Uh, everything from the technology side of working from home to the performance, even the security that's now involved in working from home. So I'm going to toss it over to Ryan. Ryan, tell us right now with all these companies, these employees, even many of them looking to to do this work from home more permanently. There were a lot of people who thought that it wasn't going to be for that long. And when we first got the the in the influx of phone calls saying, "Hey, I need to get 50 employees able to work from home in 48 hours. Uh you guys need to help us right now." As daunting as that was, a lot of the people who made that phone call we're thinking that this is going to be for only a couple of weeks and here we are. And part of that was, well, do you want the right solution or are you just looking to, to get by for a couple of weeks? And a lot of people were arguing with themselves or us or both, um, about what to do. And the solutions for everybody's problems have been different, but the common denominator has been team collaboration and security. Yeah. And those two things actually happen to have crossed paths quite a bit with all the stuff that's been in the news about Zoom um, and their lack of adherence to best practices regarding security. Gotcha. And even just in the past few days, you know, we're recording this episode uh, towards the end of May. Um, Just in the past few days, there's been major cybercrime releases about how hackers are now impersonating Zoom meetings um, and sending around fake links via email that are actually phishing links and dangerous download links and inviting people to fake Zoom meetings. Wow. Uh, so yeah, they they go wherever we are as far as the next thing that they believe we'll click on. And it's one of the reasons that the biggest recommendation that we made, other than giving employees a secure way to connect to the office, was actually training as far as cybersecurity and you know what's legit and what's not and what, how it looks, you know, the differences. Uh, we're partnered with a platform called Breach Secure Now, and it is a training program for staff that they can take, and it teaches them all about how to tell what is bullshit and what's not. Gotcha. That is the frontline defense that you can do is education and for people to grow better judgment um, from that training. And combined with using a platform that is integrated with the rest of your company, something like Microsoft Teams. Now, Google Meet is a big player, especially if your company's on G Suite. It's very you know, natural to use that. 
But a lot of the organizations that have built themselves on Slack and Zoom are all of a sudden having a tough time. It was edgy and fun to be with the underdogs, you know, when Slack was, uh, you know, an up and coming, you know, you had to know what it was and your company was cool for using it. Now it's mainstream. Uh, now it's been kind of a little bit uh, shown up by Microsoft. The numbers are, you know, Slack's got about 25 million users. Microsoft Teams is approaching 100 million. Um, and it's, it's Teams is a juggernaut. And it's also checking all the boxes for security. So that, that's been a big one is helping business owners choose, okay, if we're going to get behind a meeting platform that's easy for our team to use and is secure, and it's something that is going to make sure it ties in with the rest of our systems, you know, do we commit to Zoom? Do we commit to Teams? And those kinds of questions. Those were the the big first ones. So if you were to take all of the the meeting software out there these days, the, the Zooms of the world. And you were to just quickly rank them from from top down, one being the the best that that most people should be using, down to the most uh, you know challenged with security and features. How would you rank them? I would put Teams at the top of the pile. I would then likely put Blue Jeans, which is a popular one in the corporate space that's emerged in the last couple of years, as being relatively mainstream. That's a well designed product, uh, both on the front end and the back end. Uh, then Google Meet, then likely uh, GoToMeeting or Citrix WebEx, um, which they're struggling. It's not a really attractive and fun to use thing, but they do take security seriously. Um, and I would have to put Zoom at the bottom. Got it. The only reason that people are going to turn up their nose at that is because Zoom has focused on the Apple approach of making something attractive to use, even if it isn't actually the best tool for the exact job. You know, it's not a universal solution, but they they were first to market with those custom backgrounds right. and those video backgrounds. And that's that's what, you know, Microsoft and other Herculean companies other than Apple have struggled to keep up with is that little X factor of having something spark joy in the users. And they just <laughs> right. build an attachment and that's it. Try prying Zoom from their cold dead fingers now. Right. So what other security needs people need to be paying attention to right now? I mean, with with so many phishing uh, emails coming out and I've seen so many scams coming through my emails, what are some of the new security, uh, uh, I guess, data points that people need to be watching out for? I think it's the, the most dangerous initialism in all of technology is BYOD, bring your own device. Uh, organizations have had a policy, well, larger organizations, uh, starting really around 30 or 40 or 50 seats, um, and even smaller if you're under compliance, you know, whether you're a financial organization or having uh, personal health information as a healthcare company, you know, that you still can't avoid people bringing in their cell phones. And, you know, Microsoft has a thing called Intune that at least enforces some policies on mobile devices that you can't have dangerous apps installed. But now that everybody's working from home, unless you brought your work computer home, or you've been provided a work laptop or a work desktop, you're and now accessing company data from a personal computer, which you know, some most people, even before this, they were accessing at least email, maybe some light files. But if, now that people are doing 100% of their work from home, and very likely, in a lot of cases, are using a device that belonged to them, that they might share with another person in their house, it's opening the company up to all kinds of potential you know, security liabilities that unless you're enforcing, and you should be, all business owners and all entrepreneurs that are listening to this, you should be enforcing that people are remotely connecting to a computer that's in the office 
if possible, that is benefiting from the firewall that's there, that is benefiting from all the other security you have on those computers, or having a conversation with your IT provider about protecting those home machines. People will be maybe a little hesitant to want to let the work software get installed on their home machine. But the reality is, if this is going to continue, like you were saying, Aaron, and big organizations like like Square, Twitter, Facebook, you know, all these and many, many more are going to be offering flexible uh, work from home when you want to or not forcing people who are hesitant about returning to a crowded environment. Uh, This is a conversation that now needs to be had. So. You know, I'm not saying that you would want to monitor the people working from home uh, beyond maybe their productivity, which is something we'll discuss later in the build episode. But I think uh, having a secure connection between their computer and the company data is key, whether that be a secure VPN, whether it be remote access to the office computer, um, or at least uh, having that protection software on their computer that they have in their home that is, again, shared with other people potentially, or at least there are other people in the home. That makes sense. So a lot of what I'm hearing too, for all of you listening is there's a lot of information coming through, uh, through Ryan here. I would say that the takeaway is to sit down with your IT team and have them do a tutorial and, and kind of a, an overview, kind of a check-in on your business and, and look at the security, look at the different tools you're using and see if they can put together a better platform or better configuration that not only has your, your team communicating better, but also is tightening up that whole security feature. Because we've seen companies um, in the last, I don't know, uh, 30 days or so really get targeted, especially companies that got the PPP money. There's hackers all over the world right now that know there's you know thousands and thousands of businesses that got a huge influx of cash. And now we have hackers that are really going in and real high level, locking them down and holding people for ransom. So this is a no joke thing. We have people in San Diego right now they're getting nailed for $150,000 ransom for their stuff. And we're talking a small business, not a big business, handful of employees. Yeah. And that's a great point. I mean, cybersecurity insurance, which is a thing, is a package that's usually offered by your existing business insurance provider. Um, the quotes that I typically see for about $100,000 worth of coverage is about $7,000 a year added to your policy. Um, depending on your exposure and risk, of course, which can be adjusted in different ways, depending on your industry. But if your files get encrypted because your staff was not trained using something like Breach Secure Now or an education platform of choice that your IT provider may recommend to understand what is a dangerous link to click, what is a dangerous file to download, how to tell the difference, uh, how to make sure that they're not falling for an email that supposedly is coming from the owner. We've seen those attacks more and more over the past few years where you know the, the owner goes on vacation. Maybe somebody had access to the system for a while and is waiting for a long time and waiting until there's a good moment to actually strike with the information or the access that they have. They'll send an email to the director of operations of a company saying, hey, I need you to go buy these gift cards or I need you to go ahead and transfer this money. And it'll, the domain that it comes from If your organization doesn't really have your email security taken care of, it's possible they can spoof it and have it look like it actually came from the owner's email address. Or if you are taking security seriously, they can purchase a domain and put in a zero instead of an O, or they can put an L instead of an I, and all of a sudden it looks like the email came from the right person. It has the correct display name that anybody can spoof. And if you're not really careful, then all of a sudden you can open yourself up to that. And cybersecurity liability insurance can protect you by at least having, you know, not only uh, remediation resources available to you, but those insurance companies keep bitcoins 
you know, in their digital wallet on hand to be able to exchange to the hackers to unlock your files within the time allotted. Hmm. Because if you if you find yourself having to get Bitcoin yourself on very short notice, it is a confusing and time consuming process. Um, and it can take, you know, a week uh, just to be able to get those things in your possession to be able to give. And it's insanely expensive. So it's the cost of it's a consequence of not taking the time to make sure that your staff is educated and being mindful. And we know that a lot of people are impulsive. Um, raise your hand out there in the audience if you've ever read the terms and conditions before you click I agree on anything before mm -hmm. in your life. Most people do not read the fine print. And that's something that your staff is potentially opening you up to. So it's a, it's a great point, Aaron, um, that absolutely those risks are real. Cyber insurance is something that your business should carry in the modern era. And that having education in place to prevent those kinds of low-hanging fruit is important. It happened to my brother-in-law um, in a commercial real estate deal that a com company they were dealing with almost fell for a seven-figure wire transfer scam because of wow. somebody you know, having access for months and months and waiting until there was a good time to actually use the access that they had to try and fool somebody and sent new wiring instructions and new invoices that unless it was raised on the conference call the next day that it was, um, then it possibly would have gone through. And they caught it because they were saying, oh, we didn't send that. What are you talking about? But it was at the 11th hour. Wow. You know, so, you know, to your point about that company in San Diego that is now, you know, plagued with ransomware. Uh, these are simple mitigation steps, and it really starts with humans more than tech. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, the questions that I've been getting are all over the place, even, you know, where to find a webcam. You know, that's people are saying, oh, my goodness, I can't find anything. Staples, Best Buy, you know, Amazon, all these places. Um, some the Amazon now has webcams from, you know, uh, sellers that are kind of dubious that, you know, are these off brand kind of things and no one's sure what to get. I'm going to put in the show notes today how to turn your iPhone or your Android phone um, into a webcam. Not permanently. You can still use it as your phone, but how to enable it that you can actually use your phone as a webcam connected to the computer uh, just in case you haven't been able to get your hands on something else. Um, these are all the little conveniences that are going to make this, if it's extended or if it stays flexible, just a bit more tolerable. So in addition to all that, you know, and and the the push for people who, you know, maybe had an older phone system now going to something new that they can, you know, use from their cell phone and it shows up as the office phone when they call other people and all the different uh, technology solutions that there are. My biggest challenge has been my colleagues and my customers asking me for business solutions to this, especially around the areas of managing the staff working remotely uh -huh. and staff performance and staff culture and how to maintain these things. So Aaron, talk about for us, what does it take in your mind to manage a staff effectively that's working from home? Well, let's kind of break this down into two pieces, like you mentioned. Culture is one piece and performance is another piece. Yes, they they touch a little bit. There is some overlap. So on the culture side, you know, a lot of small, medium-sized companies really pride themselves these days on the culture that they've developed. And a lot of the CEOs that I'm working with right now are having a mini freak out because they're trying to figure out how to keep developing and sustaining the amazing culture that they've built in this new working environment. So it's it's become a bit of a learning on your feet uh, exercise. So some of the things that we've done so far that's worked very well is doing some online meetings, some fun ones. So we've done some some team happy hours. Uh, we've done a lot more check-ins. 
So the communication. So I, I say if I was to throw a percentage out, and we're, we're looking at 15 to 25%, even in some companies, 35% increase in communication with your staff. So we're having to set more meetings, shorter ones, but a lot more frequency in the check-ins with your staff. And then you're trying to find fun ways of keeping your staff engaged. I have some of my CEOs, they're sending lunch to all their employees so everyone can jump on at least eat lunch together and see each other and have some idle chit chat. Uh, we're doing the happy hours. You know, we're, we're sending them just cutesy little gifts, uh, you know, throughout the week. Um, those are some of the things that we're doing right now that's keeping the staff engaged, reminding them that they're still part of a, a bigger picture and a bigger whole. Um, and I, I can't stress this enough to the, the entrepreneurs listening to this. It's not just the touches, right? The touches keep the the community vibe of your culture in place. You as the leader, you want to be putting out a little bit of a state of the union weekly right now. After this, maybe not so frequently, but right now, your staff has to believe in you. They have to believe that their job is secure. The company is secure and stable. And it's your job as the leader, as the CEO, to be putting out a state of the union, telling them how we're doing, telling them how we're doing financially talking to them about our strategy, reminding them of our goals, our mission in the world, what, what this company is out to accomplish, and how we're still able to and definitely going to accomplish that, that vision, that mission. So reiterating that frequently is very powerful right now. So that's what I would say on the culture side. Now, jumping over to the performance side, this is a, this is a big conversation right now. Entrepreneurs are walking this line between, listen, I don't want to be big brother and, you know, be tracking all of my staff's computers and every little click of their mouse, but I still need to have some semblance of understanding of what are they doing? How are they performing over there? Are they working two hours a week? Are they working their 40 hours a week? And what I've, we've talked to a lot of people about is really getting people's calendars dialed in and getting some kind of a tracking software in people's computers where people are tracking time. Now, Ryan, you and I have had lots of conversations about this. Uh, we've talked to lots of entrepreneurs about this. Mm -hmm. This is for both parties. Tracking time is not just for the owner or for the manager. It's also to support your team member, the employee. When you're tracking time, it allows the employee to have evidence of what they did and allows the owner to have evidence of what they did. So there's no miscommunication that uh, someone was working or not working uh, a certain pace. So it, it, the tracking is actually the referee. It's the neutral third party in the middle providing a, a, a basically a platform or, or field of integrity where both parties can weigh in and see what someone has done and that it has integrity with their job performance. So the next thing that I would bring up before we, we shift it over to the tech side of this is KPIs, key performance indicators. A lot of entrepreneurs that I come across, they do not have what I would call accurate and crystal clear KPIs for each one of their staff members. This is a, a breakdown for the staff member. This is a breakdown for the owner. So this causes a problem on both sides. Now is a wonderful time to really dig in and start to refine or improve the key performance indicators for each one of your staff members. So when you're doing your quarterly reviews, you can use those KPIs to help manage and coach up their performance. So between the KPIs, really managing someone's calendar and what's in that calendar and really doing some time tracking, 
you'll be able to have your staff perform at a really high level and feel empowered, which is the, the best part. So to kick this back over to you, Ryan, so tracking time. For the entrepreneurs listening, what are some of the, the softwares or technology out there that really help people track their time with their staff? Yeah, there's there's a few really big ones. You know, the, the household name that I'm going to keep it to for the podcast, and I'll put some more in the show notes, is Toggle, uh, T-O-G-G-L. That's the one that I have hands-on experience with and that a lot of my colleagues that uh, you know run other businesses – they have their staff that is, you know, a lot of these companies that I work with are either startups or, you know, amalgamations of talent from around the world that use that to be able to track and keep hours to be able to pay their remote workers. And it's something that even some clients of mine locally here in New York uh, and some colleagues I have in Florida that they use for their staff as well, people who flexibly work from home, um, even people who want to be contributing while on maternity or paternity leave. Uh, or or different kinds of things even before COVID. So I think that it's important to note that there are a few different ones that will automatically track what's being done on the computer. And then there's certain ones that count on the staff member to start and stop clocks uh, for different tasks that they're doing. Right. And there's one that's called desk time uh, that I like a lot, but a lot of people find it creepy because it collects a large amount of data about what was being done. It is something that the person whose computer it's on can start and stop. So if they want private time, they can disable it. But if they're on the clock, that it's keeping track of you know what tabs they had open, what apps were open, what was in focus. Um, and you can disable the screenshot feature because a lot of business owners really don't want to be privacy invasive. And um, they're really just more concerned with the metrics and the data of what was running and when. So the, these these apps, to me, you know, I as, on the IT side of things, we try to find solutions for entrepreneurs and business owners that will allow that solution to be managed by your tech company. So it's not something that you have to really worry about administrating, keeping secure, making sure it's deployed on the computers, or adding a step to your workflow when you're spinning up a new computer for somebody. And it really doesn't exist. There's not a, a partner program out there for any of these. A lot of them are roll your own solution. So it's something that you know your director of operations or perhaps the business owner themselves may end up setting up. And we're actually here developing our own solution that will show people just a percentage of productivity. You know, I want to want to let a business owner define these are the things that are work related. And if these things are being done or worked on or are running or are in focus on the person's screen, then they're being productive. If uh, they're, these are things that are not on their screen and not open, then they're not being productive and essentially just showing the operations director or the business owner you know, the percentage of productivity uh, with the understanding that very few people are going to be at 100%, but essentially defining for yourself, like you said, as a KPI, what is that threshold? And since we don't have the office environment as an accountability measure anymore of being able to witness somebody's productivity or effort, then the paradigm of what we're doing to essentially know for a fact as opposed to the honor system. Like imagine hiring a new employee who's starting out during this. You don't have a feel for what they're like in the office. Right. You haven't had the ability to see what their work ethic is like. You don't know how they collaborate with teammates. There's, there's got to be an accountability system in there or else 
you are being negatively impacted and they are being negatively impacted when it comes time for performance reviews, raises, bonuses, all these different kinds of things that we discussed with Lance Winseft from Aldebaran uh, Recruiting. We, we definitely want to make sure that we're giving people digital tools to be able to bring integrity to that process under the new paradigm of WFH work from home. Right. And one of the one of the other systems that I think everyone listening wants to take advantage of right now is we talked about the calendar for a hot second, that that is one of the, the foundational pillars with performance. Your KPIs is another pillar, you know, having some kind of a time tracking, uh, another pillar. Remember, everyone, having very clear daily, weekly, and monthly checklists. These checklists are paramount to understanding what your staff member should be doing so that everybody's on the same page. You're clear what they're supposed to be doing. They're clear what they're supposed to be doing. And I would say 75, 80% of the businesses that I run across, even up to you know multi-million dollar and, and small billion dollar companies, a lot of them do not have accurate and clear daily, weekly, and monthly checklists for their staff. And that impedes people's performance because people end up doing what they feel like doing versus what they should be doing, right? They're making decisions throughout their day and throughout their week and throughout their month. I want to do this. I feel like doing this versus a checklist that's guiding them through this is what needs to be done in this kind of a flow to maximize your performance. Then remember your daily, weekly, monthly checklist have a correlation to your calendar. So that is the bundle of tools that will really help elevate the performance of your team, your managers, and ultimately you as a CEO. That's uh, yeah, that's really valuable insight. I'm sure a lot of people are feeling more confident after hearing that because these are, these are uncertain things, you know, people get instincts, people get ideas, they get recommendations, suggestions, see an article, see a video. Um, but for that to come filtered through you and your experience, I instills confidence in me and I hope it does in, in our listeners as well. With that, I want to thank everybody for listening to us this week on the Buildify Method podcast. Please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It does help other like-minded entrepreneurs such as yourself find the show and benefit from the tools in the community that we're building. Please check the show notes for all the goodies we mentioned, and we look forward to talking to you again very soon. Mm-hmm.